0: Greater than Moses, greater than Joshua. We're going to see he's greater than all the high priests and the other priests that there were. He's greater than the angels. Jesus is greater. And uh, that's going to be in this passage as well. We're going to focus on him as our great high priest. Later on in Hebrews, we'll talk about the details of why he's a better high priest than the others. Today, we're going to focus on the fact that he was a human, and still is a human. He's a human being just like you and me. Therefore, he understands what we go through. And that's what we're going to read today. He is a sympathetic high priest. He is a merciful and gracious high priest. And that's a good thing, because we need mercy and grace. And Jesus is the one who supplies that. So let's pray once again, and then we'll look at this passage. Let's pray. Thank you, God, again for a beautiful day. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Please open our eyes, Lord, and our our minds and our hearts to listen to your Holy Spirit today. May your word be powerful and effective, just like we read last week, Lord. May it cut clear into our hearts and our souls and our minds, expose what needs to, and help us to turn even more to you today, Lord. May we worship Jesus Christ as we learn more about how great he is, and we thank you once again for him. Today, speak to us today, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. We start with the word, therefore. (laughs) That word's going to be here twice in this passage. We've already read it many times in Hebrews, and we're reminded that Hebrews is a book that's very logical, it's sequential, there's certain things that have been talked about, and what we're talking about now is based on previous things. I already did a really quick uh, summary of some of the things we learned in Hebrews. Remember, he's the creator and sustainer of all things. He's God in the flesh. He made purification for sins. He sat down in, the, in heaven. Those are some of the things we need to remember when we see the word, therefore. Remember, he's greater than Moses, greater than Joshua. Also, uh, we might remember a few warnings. We were given some warnings in Hebrews that we need to take these things seriously. We need to listen, and we need to respond to what this is saying. And uh, there's some warnings saying, if you don't respond to this, uh, then you only have a fearful expectation of judgment awaiting you. How will we ever escape if we ignore this great salvation that is spelled out here in Hebrews? So, the therefore, it's a good time to remember those things. Hebrews 4.14, it says, therefore... Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Therefore, since we have a great high priest. High priests uh, in the Old Testament, God set up a system of a high priest. There would be one high priest at a time, and it would be a good position. There could be good high priests, but this is the only time in Hebrews that it's mentioned that Jesus is a great High priest. He is great, better than all the other high priests. He, since we have a great high priest. A high priest is someone who would go to God for the people. The people would come to the priest, uh, the priest and the high priest, and they would say, "Hey, I have an offering to make. I can't make it." the The Bible says that God said clearly that that I can't do it myself. I need you, the priest, to do it the right way. They would give it to the priest. The priest would go to God for the person. They would uh, follow what was what it says in Leviticus and other places. They would do what they were supposed to to make the offering for the person. So a priest is a person in between. The people would come to the priest, and the priest would go to God and say, Here, this person wants to offer this, Lord. Here you go. And God set that system up. Since we have a great high priest, that means Jesus must be someone Who intercedes for us he must be someone that we can come to and he goes to God the Father for us and it says here that he is a great high priest who has passed through the heavens the high priesthood it was a it was a great position and the thing that the high priest got to do that no one else got to do is once a year they would go into the tabernacle they would go through the entryway, past the candles, past the bread, past the incense. And they would actually, once a year, with blood in their hands from a sacrifice they made, they would go into the Holy of Holies. That would be the spot that all the Israelites would think about. And, and they would watch uh, as the sacrifice was made on the Day of Atonement. And everyone would wait in great anticipation. The high priest going in. To the place where nobody was allowed the throne of God the Israelites couldn't go there if they went in there they'd be God said there'd be serious consequences high priests couldn't go in there if they did it wrong and there were some that did do it wrong and they didn't live this was a very serious thing the presence of God is powerful to go into the presence of God is an amazing thing. But God set up one time a year. The high priest could go in. And if he did the sacrifices right. Everything he was supposed to do. He would make atonement for all of Israel. Okay and that was a great thing. A great privilege that the high priest had. Jesus our high priest. Did he go into the Holy of Holies? <coughs> he didn't just go into the Holy of Holies on earth. In the tabernacle. He actually went up all the way to the real Holy of Holies in heaven where God the Father is. Remember back at the very beginning of Hebrews, we read after he made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty where? In heaven, the real one. It turns out the tabernacle on earth, although it was great and his presence was there, it really was just a picture of the real holy of holies in heaven where God the father is on a throne and Jesus our high priest he's better than all the other high priests he went to heaven itself and he did the unthinkable thing the priest could never sit down their work was never done Jesus his one sacrifice for all was perfect it was accepted by the father and he did the unthinkable thing he sat down in the holy of holies And that was accepted by God the Father. He is a great high priest. No other high priest comes close to any of that. He is our great high priest. He's passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. The word Jesus was given to him at his birth. That reminds us that he is a human being, just like us. You have a name, he has a name. His name is Jesus, your name is whatever it is. But also, he's the Son of God. This reminds us that he's God himself. He is a deity. He is the Son of God. So in that, that phrase right there, the name Jesus, the Son of God, we see the man and we see God. And I think this passage is really largely about that, remembering that Jesus is not only God, not only made purification for sins, but he was a human being just like us. I wonder if we ever had to sit outside on a hot day in the sun and listen to someone preach. Maybe he did. I don't know. But he went through the same things we do. Jesus, the son of God. It says, since we have a great high priest, since we have Jesus Christ, let us hold fast our confession. Hold fast means to hold on to something and no one can take it away or take you away. I'm going to hold on to this bar right now. And I wonder, could anyone pull me away from this bar if I'm really holding on tight? If I'm holding fast to this bar, how many people would it take to pry me off of this thing? We don't have time to try it out, okay? But uh, it would take quite a few. I could hold on to this bar pretty tight. Okay, no one's going to take it away. He's saying do that to Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Hold on to him. He is our great high priest. (coughs) Excuse me. Remember that the book of Hebrews was written to early Jewish Christians. Some of them might have been tempted to go back to the system of the old high priest because they were used to that. They could see the sacrifice. They could, they could see the tabernacle, and they could see him go in and out. Maybe they were tempted to go back. And he's saying, no, we have a high priest who is in heaven. This tabernacle was just a shadow of those things. Why don't you hold on to Jesus Christ? He is your real high priest. He is all you need, and he is in heaven, the real Holy of Holies. Hold fast to him. So in this time when the the Christians probably were wondering what to do, uh, imagine the Jewish life was changed a lot. If they turned to Jesus, they didn't go to the tabernacle anymore, which would be a really big deal to them. This is a major change in their thinking, a, a major change in what they would do. This would be a very big deal. And the book of Hebrews probably helped them out a lot with this. But during that hard time in their life, they needed to hold fast to something. What was it they needed to hold fast to? They needed to hold on to Jesus Christ during this hard time in their life. Any of you going through a hard time right now? Anyone in our state or our country going through some hard times? Not sure where to go, not sure what to do, not sure if they should, should stick with Jesus or turn to something else. Well, we read here in the Bible, hold fast your confession of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our great high priest. He is everything that you need. Hold on to him through the hard times and you won't regret it. Let's move on and see what, what it says more here. Verse 15, chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. You might think he's up in heaven. He's powerful. He's God. He's far away from me. This is great, but he doesn't really understand what I go through. You might think he's God. He doesn't understand these things. He doesn't understand how hard it is to live each day. He doesn't understand uh, how hard it is to get out of bed in the morning sometimes. Maybe uh, you think he doesn't know. But folks, our great high priest, one of the things that makes him great is that he humbled himself. And he came to earth. He was one of us. He was a human being. In his flesh, in his body, if he was sitting here with us now, he'd look like the rest of us. Okay? He was a human being. He can sympathize with what we go through. It says he's been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Does that mean he went through everything a human being could ever go through? Probably not. But you know, temptations usually fall into different categories. And each of those categories he was tempted with. Uh, it says here he was tempted in all things, he was tempted in all the different ways that people could be tempted yet unlike us he never once gave in to sin he never did he was perfect he went through it and he never sinned but he was tempted so that means he knows what it's like you cannot say to jesus you don't know what it's like lord you don't know what it's like to live my life he can say yes i do know And you know, was his life perfect? He had some rough stuff in his life, didn't he? There was a time when he was put on trial before a a high priest. uh, Our great high priest before a a horrible rotten high priest who had him slapped and made fun of him. And uh, there there was uh, injustices all around him. And he went through all that. Does he know what it's like to go through hard times? Uh, We don't know all the details of his life, but surely there were many challenges in his life. And like I said, the day-to-day struggles. He knows all about them. He was here. Yes, he does know. He can sympathize with what you're going through, whatever it is. We have a great high priest who can sympathize with us. Jesus Christ. And that leads us to verse 16. I think a, a wonderful, powerful verse here. Even in the whole Bible, this is an amazing one. If you want to memorize a verse, memorize this one. If you want to follow a verse the rest of your life, do what it says here in this verse. Verse 16. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's an amazing verse. Remember what I said earlier about the tabernacle. Who was allowed into the Holy of Holies? Only the high priest once a year. And he better do it right or else uh, it it wouldn't go well. But based on that verse, based on what this says, based on what Jesus has done, Who else is now welcome to go into the real holy of holies in heaven? Anybody. Anybody who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe that he's your high priest, if you believe that you have sinned, and one thing I thought about a lot in this passage, when a person would come to a priest And give him a sin offering what is that person doing they're admitting they're a sinner priest I messed up I sinned I know I sinned against God I've broken his law I deserve punishment but God said I can offer this animal and it can die in my place so I'm gonna offer it if you believe you're a sinner you admit it to God just like they would have to do when they offered their sin sacrifices you admit to God, God, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to be in your presence. In fact, I deserve your punishment. If you admit that, that you are a sinner and you need a sacrifice, and if you believe that Jesus is that sacrifice, that he died in your place, then amazingly enough, folks, you can be saved. You can be one of his children. And you are someone, based on what Jesus did, you <coughs> Are welcome into the Holy of Holies. The greatest throne room in the universe. It says, let us draw near with confidence. It doesn't even say come into the throne. It says, draw near. God's saying, come on, come into my throne. Come close. You don't have to say, stay six feet away from me. You probably don't even have to wear a face covering there either. He says, come on in, sit on my throne, have a seat. What's it feel like? He's saying, come in, everybody, come in. Draw near. You might think he's the king of the universe. I've sinned. You don't know how bad my sin is. I don't think he'd ever let me in. Well, if that's what you're thinking, you don't understand how great Jesus is. He really is a great high priest. He really did offer a sacrifice for everybody that was accepted. He really did make a way for any human being. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you are welcome if you believe in him. Admit you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus Christ. Ask God to forgive you. He will. And you're welcome into the Holy of Holies. My wife Rachel and I, we got to go to Paris a while ago. We visited a place where a king, uh, the king of France, I think it was Versailles, I'm not sure. That's a long time ago. Uh, But we got to to go around in this, I don't know if it was a castle or not, but it was a place where the king and all the important people lived. And we walked into the throne room. There was a room and there was a throne. It actually wasn't nearly as impressive as I thought it would be. But as I stood there and I just, it was neat to think that where I am physically standing, there was a king and the king was powerful. There would be soldiers and everybody and they would do whatever that king said. And I imagine when you entered that room, there were big doors, you know, huge doors and fancy place. When you entered there, it's probably scary. You'd have to be invited. You gotta be invited to go into the throne room of a king. Uh, And if you weren't, there'd probably be serious consequences. I imagine great decisions were made there, maybe some that were good, maybe some not so good. But it's a really, it's it's an amazing thing to go into the throne room of a king. In the book of Esther, we get a little taste of that. When Esther went into the king uninvited, and if he didn't extend a scepter to her, she would have been dead. They would have killed her on the spot for entering a throne room of a king, a great king. You don't do that. You have to be invited. You have to be welcome. Well, folks, it's almost hard to even imagine, but the king of the universe that is so much greater than any king on earth has a throne room, and you're welcome there. You are welcome there. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Isn't that great? What's the name of his throne? The throne of punishment? It's the throne of grace. We need grace. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. God says, you really don't deserve all this great stuff, but you know what? I love you so much. I would like to extend my grace to all of you. Come on in to my throne room. Draw near with confidence. Don't be afraid. What are we going to find when we get there? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Every one of us, if you stood before God right now, what do you deserve? Let me tell you what I deserve. I've sinned. I deserve his punishment. I deserve him saying, you get out of my presence and go to hell for eternity. That's what I deserve. The Bible's clear, we've all sinned, we all deserve that. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Isn't it great that we find mercy at the throne of God? If we didn't, well, we wouldn't be here right now. (laughs) But God says, I'm merciful, and our great high priest is full of mercy. And we should be so thankful for that. We find mercy, but not only, you know, that would be good enough to simply be in his presence and not have to be punished would be good enough. But he says, no, on top of that, I'm going to extend grace to you. Grace could be uh, getting what you don't deserve. He gives us so much joy in our lives and great things and eternity in heaven. That's by his grace. That's grace. And that's what we find at the throne of God, mercy and grace. Maybe you go through a hard time in your life. Maybe you feel like you're far from God right now, and you think, I can't enter into his presence right now. I've got to clean my life up. Well, first of all, you'll never clean it up good enough. God is a perfectionist. He demands perfection. You'll never get there. You simply need to admit that you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus Christ. Ask him to forgive your sins. And here it says, come on in. Your sins are taken care of. Is that a great high priest, folks? We have a great high priest who welcomes us into the throne room of the universe. God himself. Mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. When I was studying this, you know, I thought I'm going to do a big study here. I want to study the Greek words. I want to find out what the time of need is really talking about. It sounds like there might be a play on something here. And I did start studying. And then I, I, I thought to myself, wait a minute. Is there ever a time in my life when I didn't need mercy and grace? <laughs> and I just had to laugh for a while. Is there any a mo- a moment in your life uh, for any of you that where you didn't need God's mercy and grace? <laughs> your time of need is right now. We all need him desperately, more than we realize. Your time of need is right now. Why not turn to him right now? Remember, you're welcome based on what Jesus did. You can talk to him right now, and he'll hear you. You're welcome. Draw near. He doesn't just say come in, he says draw near. Come on up and sit on my lap, hang out for a while. You're welcome in my throne room. Let's draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'd encourage all of us to do this as often as you can. Spend time in God's presence. We can't physically go there right now, although someday you will. (coughs) But his spirit is with us right now. And where he is, perhaps that's where... You could say his throne room is as well. You can talk to him. I think you can go into his presence right now. Uh, you can pray. You can sing songs. You can just worship him. Uh, doing many different things. Uh, anything you can do to help you draw near to God. Do those things. Spend time with him. You'll never regret it. We're going to be with him uh, forever in eternity. <laughs> Might as well start now enjoying that right now. Be in his presence, folks. Pray, read your Bible, sing, do anything you can, meet with others, encourage others to do the same thing. Draw near with confidence. Some people have asked, uh, there's a lot of rough things going on in our country, in our state. I'm scared, I don't know what to do. What do you do? What do we do in response to all this? Well, I'd say this is the number one thing right here. Draw near to God. Get things right between you and God. Understand that Jesus is everything you need. Enter his presence all the time. And I think as you hang out with God a lot, you're going to find out what his his heart is like. He loves people. You're going to start loving people too. And you're going to know what to do in the tough situations. That's going to help you out. Go to God, folks. Go right to the throne of grace. Maybe you don't know what to say, what to do. Too much sin in your life. Remember, you're going to find mercy and grace there. With our great high priest. Chapter 5, verse 1. For every high priest is taken from among men is, I'm sorry, for every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God, in order to offer both, sac- both gifts and sacrifices for sin. So that's talking about the job that a priest has, which I talked about a little already. Remember, the job was that people went to the priest and they offered gifts and sacrifices. There was a right way to do it. The priest had to know what that was. And then they did it. That was their job. You know, it is a great job, by the way, too. I mean, these priests could be really helpful to people. Remember, the people are basically admitting that they're sinners when they do this. And the priest was helping make things right. What a great job. Verse two, he can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided since he himself also is beset with weakness, and because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins, as for the people, so also for himself. Remember, this is pointing out not Jesus right now, this is pointing out the human priests and the high priests, this is talking about them. And he's just making some parallels here about how Jesus is like them. Jesus can deal gently With the ignorant and misguided. When I first read this, I think the ignorant and misguided. Boy, those people are really lost. You know, they don't know much. Well, when compared to God, is there anyone here that's ignorant and misguided? (laughs) Probably all of us. Uh, We're not God. We don't know everything. But Jesus can deal with us gently. And that's a great thing. He doesn't lose his patience with us. He himself also beset with weakness. Now it mentions here (coughs) that the priests also had to offer sacrifices for themselves and for the people. And that helped them understand the people. Well, there's a big difference here. Jesus never offered a sacrifice for sin for himself because he never sinned. Okay. He actually became the the perfect sacrifice for us. So he did not, that is one thing he did not have to do that the other high priest did. Kind of interesting on the Day of Atonement when all of Israel's watching and it's this big thing. You know what the priest has to do very first with everybody watching? The first sacrifice is for himself. (laughs) He has to admit to the whole nation. He's a sinner, (laughs) which I, I think is kind of interesting make his sacrifice, and then he can make the sacrifice uh, for the people on the day of atonement. Jesus uh, didn't have to do that. He was perfect. But it's pointing out that Jesus was a human like these high priests. Because he's human, he's been through the things we've been through. He's a great high priest that knows what we go through. He can sympathize with us. Verse 4, no one takes the honor to himself, but receives it when he is called by God. Even as Aaron was, so also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest. But he who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Just as he says also in another passage, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So if the Jewish people were wondering, well, Jesus, how was he a priest? You know, he wasn't actually in the line of Aaron. God set up the priesthood. It was the line of Aaron, uh, and they had to be related to him to be a priest. Um, And so to become a priest means God the Father has to say that you're a priest. Somehow you have to to be declared to be a priest. Well, it says here in verse 6, and this is a quote from Psalm 110, written long before Jesus came to earth as a human. It says, you're a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So God declares Jesus to be a priest. He's not related to Aaron or Levi. But he's a priest because God said he is. Melchizedek, now we don't have time right now to talk about him. Later on in Hebrews, there's going to be a whole section on Melchizedek, and it'll explain what he's talking about there. But just know that God can say that a certain person is a priest, and they are a priest. But it takes God. You don't proclaim that yourself. Jesus didn't go around just proclaiming it himself and hoping someone might believe him. It was God who actually said he's a priest. And this is in the Old Testament. That means this is a prophecy that he would be a priest. Uh, So this was planned out. Right before that is a quotation from Psalm chapter 2, which is interesting. It says, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. That points out he's going to be the son of God. If we keep reading in Psalm chapter 2, we also find out he's the Messiah and has a right to the throne in Israel. So put these passages together and what have you got? You've got a prophecy about a Messiah that would be a priest and a king. Uh, But also, also the Son of God. And uh, probably even more we could say there too. But but we have prophecies from the Old Testament showing uh, that this was a plan all along. And also, it's pointing out that Jesus did not just declare himself to be a priest. God said that he's a priest. Okay? And he accepted his sacrifice also. Verse 7 In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. The days of his flesh. Remember, Jesus was here at the very beginning of time. He was there at creation. Uh, he's been around forever, and he will be around forever. The days of his flesh would be the time that he was here on earth in a human body, uh, a human. By the way, he still is a human in heaven with a perfect body, but he still is one. Uh, but in the days of his flesh, while he was here on earth, what did he do? Well, if he was a priest, what do priests do? They offer up things. What did Jesus offer up? He offered up prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. There's a lot we can learn, I think, here, uh, both in what he did as an ex- as a, and as an example to us. Prayers and supplications. In this passage we're looking at, and in the next few verses, too, it'll be there. We're reading about Jesus. Not only was he God, that seems to be clear in Hebrews so far, but he's reminding us he's a human also. A human priest, a human, just like you and I. But he's also God at the same time. Do you find it interesting and almost strange that he prayed to the Father? Remember, folks, I'm not saying that there's three different gods or two different gods. There's only one God, but he exists as God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit. If God, the son felt the need to pray to God, the father, and it seems like he did it daily. He did it a lot. Is that an example to us? Surely it is. If he needed to pray, how much more do we need to pray? We need to be in communication with God. And you know, it doesn't just say he prayed. It was prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears. I'm reminded in this passage that God wants a relationship with us. Not just uh, praying on a Sunday morning, but it's great to pray on a Sunday morning. But I think he wants more than that. You can pray all week long. You can, uh, you can talk to him. Maybe there's times when you're praying. Maybe there's times you're just talking to him like a friend, and that's okay. He says you can do that. Maybe there's times when you just want to worship him, and you're worshiping. That's a different kind of prayer. Maybe you're worried about someone else, and you want to intercede for people, and you're praying, God, please help them. That's another kind of prayer. God wants us to have a relationship with him. When you talk uh, to a friend or maybe your husband or wife, you probably don't talk the same way all the time. You have different times, different conversations. God wants that with you. Prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears. This reminds us again, he's a human with emotions. Did Jesus have emotions? It says right here he did. We do, do know he cried at least a few times we read about in the Gospels. Uh, He had strong emotions. He knows, again, what it's like to be us. He offered up prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears. You know, again, the priest would go to God for the people. The priest was concerned about the people, or at least he was supposed to be. When Jesus prayed, and I could think of a few different prayers that he prayed, he was interceding for other people. In fact, I even think he prayed about us, too, at least once. Uh, he was a great high priest who offered up prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears. And you know what? When a sacrifice was made, one might always wonder, was this accepted by God? Did we do it the right way? It says it was accepted. He was heard. He was heard because of his piety, that where it could be submission also. Because he was submitting to the Father, he was praying with respect, he was heard. He prayed to to the one who was able to save him from death. Did God the Father answer that prayer? Did he save him from death? Now you might think, wait a minute, he died. He died on the cross. He really did. Does that mean God the Father didn't hear, didn't answer? Well, he did die, but what happened three days later, after he died? God the Father saved him from death, from eternal death. He didn't stay dead, he came back alive, and he's alive today and lives in heaven. (coughs) God the Father heard and he answered that prayer, and he did save him from death. He still let him die for our sins, and I'm so glad that he did, But he also came back to life again the father raised him up he accepted the sacrifice he accepted everything and he made purification for sins verse 8 although he was a son he learned obedience from the things which he suffered and having been made perfect he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation being designated by god as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek he was the son of God he could have come to earth and said I'm the son of God you go get me a lemonade right now you rub my feet you give me something to lay down on he could have ordered people around right He could have said I'm king you guys need to treat me like it he was the son of God he should have privileges right And that'd be okay. It'd be right. It would have been right for him to do it. It was okay. He's God. He's the king of the universe. We should be worshiping him, serving him. But what did he do? He learned obedience. Obedience. He learned obedience. How does God learn anything? Like I said in this passage, if you think a lot about the details, he's a human. How could he accomplish these things and be God himself? Could God learn anything? Well, he knows everything. But did he know what it was like to be obedient before he came to earth and lived a life like us? Maybe he didn't. Uh, uh, maybe he didn't know till he went through it. He learned obedience. <coughs> he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Remember, he never sinned. Were his parents Perfect. Mary and Joseph, were they perfect? No. Can you imagine all those situations where he, they would tell him to do something or, and he knew there was like a better way? He knew better than they did, yet did he obey them? He did. He had to. It was the law. He didn't break God's law. He didn't sin. He obeyed his parents. Wow. Were there times when he probably knew better than they did? every day (laughs) he knows what it's like you know that that's tough isn't it you ever have someone tell you something to do and you should obey but you you know better than them I know better boy if this if I was in charge everything would just be perfect you know uh if I was in charge I'd make such better decisions I wouldn't be telling people to do crazy things uh if I could just be in charge of everything you know it'd be all so much better (laughs) jesus could actually say that and he'd be right (laughs) it would be better of course sometimes we think that and really that's not a great thought those are the hard times when it's uh, times when it's hard to be obedient sometimes isn't it he knows jesus knows about it he knows boy you can apply that to a lot of different situations especially lately he knows What it's like to be told things and to obey, even when it was rough, even when he knew better. (coughs) He learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Jesus suffered, and somehow that was a great thing. He says, having been made perfect, that's being made perfect through (coughs) through suffering. That actually was earlier on in Hebrews. Uh, We actually talked about that, how he was perfected through suffering. Doesn't mean he wasn't perfect to begin with. He was, but he didn't really understand suffering. And somehow that was part of the plan of perfection. And so going through suffering was a way of perfecting someone who's already perfect. Uh, But he had to suffer. He learned obedience. He learned suffering. And ladies and gentlemen, are you glad that he learned to suffer? Are you glad that he learned obedience? What was the outcome of that according to this verse? He became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. The source of eternal salvation. I am so glad that he suffered that he went all the way to a cross and he let sinful people nail him to a cross. our great high priest, he not only offered a perfect sacrifice, he actually became the perfect sacrifice. He offered himself the spotless lamb without blemish. He really is a great high priest. The high priest in the Old Testament, they could only offer atonement once a year to the to the nation and they would have to do it again the next year jesus offered once for all one sacrifice for all time it was accepted by the father and he is now the source of eternal salvation it says for everyone who obeys him interesting word there does that mean we earn our salvation well, there's no way we ever could. That's impossible. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you have faith in him, the Bible's clear that you'll obey him too. You will have a desire to obey him. Belief, faith, and obedience all go together. If you think you can believe in that faith and you not obey him, then you really don't understand. Maybe you need to learn more about who Jesus is. Go to God's throne room and ask him, God, help me understand this. You're going to find mercy and grace there. To all those who obey him, everyone here, all of you that believe in him, he is your source of eternal salvation. And he's the only one. No other high priest, no other person on this earth can offer that to you. Uh, There's no other way. There's not many roads to the Father. There's one way, and it's Jesus Christ. He is our great high priest. He is our source of eternal salvation. Why is he great? According to this passage, he is so great because he humbled himself and became one of us. Remember, he knows what it's like to live here on earth, he knows what it's like to go through the things we are, to be tempted. He knows what it's like, and he knows even better than us because actually he said no to every temptation. That means he understands better than people that give in. He knows what it's like. He is our great high priest. At the very beginning of this passage, it says we have a great high priest. We have one. Who is that we that's talked about there? well as i said earlier if you believe in the lord jesus christ if you do like the jews had to do and you admitted you were a sinner you admit you need a sacrifice for your sins and if you believe that jesus is that sacrifice and you come to him and ask him to forgive you in a way offering jesus christ as a sacrifice god says i accept that sacrifice then he is your high priest. He is our high priest. If you've never done that, maybe you've heard a lot about this. Maybe you even think it's great. But if you've never actually asked God to forgive your sins, if you've never admitted you're a sinner to him, asked him to forgive you, you're not part of the we yet. And there's a lot of warnings in Hebrews about this. He's saying, don't just listen you got to take the next step. If you've never asked God to forgive your sins, do it today. When you go and talk to him, what are you going to find? A mad God who's going to kick you out? Because of Jesus Christ, you'll be welcome into the throne room if you believe in him. He promises you'll find mercy and grace when you come to him. If you've already done that, you know the Lord is your Savior. If you've asked him to forgive your sins, you can have confidence to enter the throne room. Please do it every day, all the time. Encourage each other to do it. Call someone up and say, hey, have you been to the throne room today? No, I need to go. Yeah, go do that. Do everything you can. Spend all the time you can with him in the throne room. Also, remember one more thing. At the beginning, it said, let's hold fast to our confession. That doesn't just mean holding on to Jesus ourselves, but a confession is something you confess to other people as well. Is there a world out there that needs to hear this message? That's a big yes. It's always been a big yes, but boy, it seems pretty apparent right now. Uh, there's people turning to all sorts of different things. We need peace in this country. We need peace on this earth. What, what organization should I join to find this, to, to fight for that? Well, I really do think the answer is Jesus Christ, our great high priest. Hold fast that confession. Praise, honor him, spend time in his throne room. And I think the more you do that, it's going to spill out into your life. And uh, others might see that too. And then they might just want to know. Maybe they want to know the way into the throne room. We have a great high priest, Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't forget that. Use your privilege daily to go into the throne room. Tell others about him. If you've never gone there before, turn to him today. Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you for Jesus Christ, for all he's done for us. Thank you for your mercy and your grace that we always find when we turn to you. Help us all that turn to you daily in many different ways, Lord. Help us to have a relationship with you. I pray for any of those who don't that they would start today. Pray us in Jesus' name. Amen.